Welcome to Small Business Celebration. We're continuing our series on small business owners who are getting the move on. And our guest this week is a world champion adventurer, an arm wrestler, and a business owner who has done something most business owners only dream of. This is Small Business Celebration. Welcome, where we chat with real business owners who have real success and learn from them about what works, what doesn't, and who want you to know that there's a light at the end of the tunnel and it's not a train. Join us where you can learn something that you can use today to grow a strong and profitable business. Welcome to Small Business Celebration. Our guest this week is Glenn Bland, the founder of the Bland Company and chairman of Calcom. Welcome to Small Business Celebration. Thank you. Nice to be here. For visioneers who don't know who you are, who are you and what is it that you do? Uh, my name is Glenn Bland. I founded Bland Company back in 1985. Uh, we did solar and HVAC for residential and small commercial. And then in 2011, we founded Calcom Energy which is specifically solar for agriculture. The reason we're talking with Glenn today is because he has done something that the overwhelming majority of small business owners wish they could do. But in order to get there, I first want to begin with what prompted you to get into the air conditioning and solar business in the first place? When I was a young man, I. Uh... I set out to uh, build a career in entomology, being uh, an uh, entomology, ent study of insects. Oh, okay, uh, sure, sure. Agriculture, you know, it was a good fit for this area. Right. And I met my first wife, fell in love, decided I had to get married. Right. Before eight years of college. And uh, <laughs> so I, I, I threw uh, some good advice from a cousin of mine, Clinton Bland. He, uh, he said, you know, solar might be something you want to get into because it's probably going to be a pretty big deal someday. <laughs> and uh, so I, I chose the path of going to post-secondary school and, and uh, studying solar and, and, and HVAC. There's a master's degree in solar and HVAC? No, okay. it's a, it's a, uh, it's post-secondary, uh, you know, trade, basically trade school. Oh, you know, okay. Uh, and uh, no, no, the several years of education required for entomology. <laughs> so, so, None yeah, of which yeah. prepared you for the business world. That's right. How did you learn the skills you needed in order to have a successful business? Because uh, they didn't teach you that in school. They, they did not. That's a great point. You know, it, it's, so uh, after, after going to trade school mm -hmm. and just putting the tools on and going out in the field, uh, just following advice from my dad, mm -hmm. and, and mom, mother and dad, and it was that, you know, do a good job so that uh, you know, folks are satisfied, and, and if they're satisfied, they're going to tell you about. They're going to tell their friends about it, the relatives, and, and uh, it's a good way to build a referral-based uh, business. Even even if you're an employee working for somebody else, right. it's job security ah. if, if folks are requesting you. Sure. So just you know, do the job right the first time. It also sounds like you. When somebody said there might be some money in solar, this was in nineteen. 82. Right uh, when Ronald Reagan was taking the solar panels off the White House. <laughs> you're you're, you're yeah. saying there's, there's, there might be some money in solar. Where, where did this instinct come from? You know, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't necessarily instinct. I can't take the credit for that initially. Mm -hmm. It was, 
it was my cousin's advice. Yeah. And he thought that uh, just from the experience he had in HVAC and a little bit of solar, that he thought someday, you know, with, uh, there was a beginning push for energy independence because of mm -hmm. the oil crisis and all that. So right. it, was, it, was, it was a hot topic then. Mm. It was a hot topic until 1986 when Congress under the Reagan administration took it away, took the, <laughs> took the incentives away. So it went, to sleep. it went to sleep for a while. Right. Did that part of the business go dormant for a while or, and then you revived it in the late 90s? It did, nearly, nearly dormant. Okay. Uh, the systems that were installed required some maintenance and repair. Right. Uh, but largely relied on from when I started my company in 1985, uh, uh, when Kathy and I started the company in 1985, heavily relied on HVAC. Mm. So heating, ventilation, air conditioning, refrigeration. Right. And a uh, little bit of solar. And then, of course, 99, 2000, that really came alive again with California incentives. The HVAC business mm. is a pretty... There's a lot of people in, the, in that industry, especially mm -hmm. locally here in the southern San Joaquin Valley where it's hot most of the year. And one of the things that the Bland Company is known for is the name, the reputation of it. How did you instill that belief of taking care of the customer all the way through in order for you to stand out? Because everybody says, well, the customer is always right. And we need to take care of the customer. But you actually did it. Yeah. How did, yeah. you, how did you instill that into your employees? It, it, kind of two answers there. So number, number one, uh, you have to separate, separate yourself from the comp competition, right? right. So how did you do that? You have to be willing to do the things that your competitors don't want to do. Ah. Uh, going out and making heating repairs in the, in the rain or, or the sleet. Right. Uh, crawling under homes uh, to, to repair floor furnaces. Mm. You know, the things that, the, the dirty work. Right. Right. So willing to being willing to go out and do those things and then uh, you know as far as building the culture with your team I have lots of references on this with uh, you know some some military stuff that I learned from my dad uh, you have to be willing to do things in the company that uh, you know don't don't bark orders don't create a chain of command and then you know and not want to do or, or refuse to do the things that you're asking them to do, right? Right. Everything from the lowest task to the highest task. In, 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 a, in a company with good culture, it's best if you have, sure there's a chain of command, right? But it's not, you don't run the company like that. You have, you have leaders and, and, and you have the, the team, the, the, the warriors, right? You right. have leaders and warriors. And those, those roles are interchangeable. Right. You have to be a good follower or, or a good teammate to be a good leader. Sometimes you have to listen so, to your employees. Sometimes they're smarter than you. That that's right. That's <laughs> right. If you uh, that's where you'll get your your best advice mm. and make some of your your best changes. Later on, you got on the board of Calcom, mm. and why did you choose to do that? Going back, we we sold. Bland Company first in, in uh, 2017, we sold Bland Company to the employees as an ESOP, mm. employee stock option plan. And uh, it worked out well. We did the same thing with Calcom in 2018. And I just, uh, after passing the torch, I wanted to stay on the board mm. and, and just be of service to the team right. you know, and, and uh, be helpful where I could. 
And with Calcom, you're helping them develop a very specialized division that a lot of business owners are going to find very interesting, especially if they have a certain size solar, solar system. What yeah. is it that you guys are doing? So in the early days of solar, you know, uh, lots of competitors, anybody can go out. It's, it's, it's not rocket science. It's, uh, it's pretty simple to go out and put in a solar electric system if you know the components, right. and basic electricity, right, and building codes. Anybody can do that. But as the industry ages, these systems are getting older, they require service, just, right. like, just like a vehicle, right? Just like an air conditioning system. Right. You know, the coils need clean. There's, just, there's all kinds of things that have to be done uh, in order to keep it in, in, in good running condition so you get your return on your investment. Huh. So we're, bu we're building a world-class team at Calcom Energy right now for the, the cleaning, the service and repair, the quarterly maintenance, the uh, monitoring of the system, and also bill reconciliation. So we, we monitor production and usage with, uh, of the meters that these systems are attached to and to date, we've, we have found over uh, over a million dollars worth of mistakes made by the utilities and have been able to return that money to the customers by pointing those out to the utilities. Wait, so you're going through and you're helping your customers go over their PG&E bills, find the mistakes, while at the same time helping improve their systems so they can be even more efficient? Correct. If visioneers want to learn more about this and how to get in touch with you, how do they do that? Uh, just simply call me on my cell phone, Glenn Bland. Uh, if I'm not available, leave a message. I'll call you back. It's, and what's your phone uh, number? 661-201-6295. Email? Email gbland at calcomenergy.com. And how do you spell Calcom? C-A-L-C-O-M Energy. And if you enjoy Small Business Celebration, go ahead and like, subscribe, and notify, and leave a comment. We enjoy the comments that you give us here on Small Business Celebration. And when we come back to give advice or not give advice, that is the question. Do you want the lowest standard of care for your health? Wellness care is about reversing and preventing illness. Do you want to be managed by sick care or do you want to thrive from your health care? Call Dr. Hugh Beatty, MD, the wellness doc at 661-395-0315 or visit him at hubeatty.com and discover how you can transition from managed sick care to thriving with wellness care. Discover your wellness program that can help you get well, reduce and or eliminate the number of medications you're taking and feel alive again. Call the Wellness Doc at 661-395-0315 or visit him at hubay.com and get better. Call 661-395-0315 or visit him at h-u-g-h-b-e-a-t-t-y.com. I'm here with Glenn Bland, the founder of the Bland Companies and also on the board of Calcom. And our visionary question comes from Heather who asks, We've been in business for more than 20 years, and we've only now started to reach what we would consider mild success. And now we have some other business owners, some of whom have been in business longer than we, asking us for business advice. But my partner and I don't feel we're okay to do so. Should we? First of all, I think she's very humble. She and her partner mm -hmm. are very humble because they've, they've already beat the odds. Mm -hmm. They're in, they've been in business for 20 years. Right. 
and they're probably underestimating their mild success, you know, uh, whatever, whatever that is. Absolutely give advice, especially if somebody is asking for advice mm -hmm. in the same business. It doesn't matter if they've been in business for one year or 30 years. Mm -hmm. They may have some bit of information that could be world changing for, for somebody asking for advice. So, Because yeah, oftentimes, a lot of business owners think They've seen their movie before. They've they've relived their movie in the middle of the night in parts of it that didn't go so well. And they often think, well, I'm not worthy to give advice when somebody yeah. asks it. Why yeah. is that so wrong? I think that's just innate for most people. They mm. they don't uh, they don't recognize their success. Mm. Uh, maybe it's they're they're humble, but but I think in most cases they they don't really appreciate what they've done. You know, uh. they're they've just they're. They're in it, so they're not looking from the outside. Tell us about the World Adventure Race. That was absolutely, if I, if I have to look back through the, the 30 some odd years of being in business, that was the single most uh, impactful event, with, without a doubt. How so? Uh, so in 1985, the company was started, I'll just fast forward, hired our first employee in 1991. So wearing, for six years, wearing all those hats, doing right. the books, uh, Kathy and, and myself doing the books, doing the repairs, filing the taxes, you know, it was just uh, working around the clock. We had, uh, after we had about a, a, a dozen employees or so, this, this race came up. So changing from business to what we're doing in our personal lives, we're, we were uh, doing a lot of athletics. Hmm. And um, we had an opportunity through some adventure races. These are multidiscipline. Adventure racing is a multidiscipline sport where you go out and you bike and you kayak and you trek around either running or hiking and you're right. navigating the whole time. All through uncharted and, uh, territory. Uncharted, yeah, un sometimes, right? <laughs> so there are, there are trails, there are tra trails sometimes. Uh, but then we get into the longer ones or sleep deprivation. Anyway, we. We, uh, we placed second in a, in a big race here in California in the, in the Sierras, and it qualified us to go to the Discovery Channel World Championship Adventure Race. Uh, Trish and I met through athletics. Right. And, um, and where was this race held? It was held in, it started in, in, uh, on the Pizkorbosch Glacier in Switzerland, and, oh. and it finished at the Matterhorn in Zermatt. So you're going through the Pyrenees. Through the through the Alps. Oh, through the Alps. Through the, okay. Through the Swiss right. Alps. Right. And uh, it, uh, there were lot, there were lots of challenges to get from qualifying to getting to Switzerland to do this race. Number one, sponsorship money. It was going to cost you know just in cost with airfare and gear and everything you know, about thirty thousand dollars. And this is in uh, this is in uh, two thousand and one. Okay. Right before the Trade Center. Right. It was like sep it was. Late August, early September in 2001. 30 grand just to get there. Just to get there. So I think, okay, what do we do? We call companies like Maui Gym and you know any any sports equipment we had. We look at the name and we make try to make a phone call, right? Right. Get to a decision maker. It dawned on me one day uh, with the company we're using Nextel Communication. So. Okay, well they, they sponsor race car driving and stuff like that, so I'll give them a call. Three connections later, I had the vice president, one of the vice presidents on the phone, and she said, this sounds fantastic. This is something <laughs> we'd love to sponsor you. How much money do you need? Wow. And I said, you know, we need like 
$30,000. She said, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll send a check. And uh, they sent a camera crew out to meet the team and everything. It was, uh, it was surreal. This wasn't just you and your wife on the team. There was a whole back end of people that had to help you to be your support team. Yeah, we, this, this team we had, so there was Tricia, myself, we had Bill Loveless, he's a financial advisor, a world-class triathlete from Los Angeles, uh, Brian Sturz, uh, who's a, a, a physician, uh, retired from Kaiser now, so that was our team. But then we had to have, you know, we have four kids, what are we going to do with the kids? You know, they're all in elementary school at the time. So the in-laws helped us with daycare. Uh, there, there, was a, there were a lot of moving parts. And not to mention, we had companies to run. Right. That had, that had to run while we were away. And just out of curiosity, you came in? Uh, we came in, uh, I'd, have to, I'd have to read this. <laughs> we, we actually, uh, there were five teams that finished this out of 30 some odd teams. Five that actually five completed. Five that actually it. finished. Okay. Right. We were not one of them. Okay. Uh, I believe we were the seventeenth. There were seventeen teams in the race when we were pulled for not making a cutoff because we rescued uh, we rescued another team from Malaysia on one of the mountain passes. Uh, one of their one of their teammates had taken a severe had taken a big spill. Right. Uh, hit his head. Had a concussion. Had to be airlifted out. Well, in order to get them to the helicopter uh, landing spot, which was, these are in, this is in the Alps. Right. Uh, we had to carry this guy uh, for a while. Wow. To get him there, so. So if you didn't win, you, you won for, you, you didn't win for a good reason. Yeah, you know, so we looked at that, it's like, what are we gonna do? Right. Well, there's no question. Right. You're gonna get this guy out of there. So, right, yeah. right. Yeah. You can race again. This guy, I, mean, <laughs> I want to make sure this guy can race again. You know? Right. Yeah. How long did this race take you away from your business? Uh, with planning, with all, of the, all the logistics involved, it, was going to t it, it would have taken us away for two weeks. Okay. Would have. But 9-11, 2001 oh. happened while we were gone. So uh, it was about, that was uh, two days after the race was over. We're in my uncle and aunt's living room in, in Amsterdam, uh -huh. and I get a call on the Nextel International phone that they were kind enough to let us use. Right. It's my daughter. She says, Dad, turn the TV on. Turn the news on. Oh, no. Uh, what channel? She says, it doesn't matter. And, it, so, and we all know how that unfolded. So we ended up uh, extending our trip. Right. Because you can't get back. You can't get back right. for another two weeks. So, so that was four weeks away. So we're four weeks away. And how many businesses would not be able to survive their owners being gone for a month? Yeah, we had, uh, we had a culture uh, at the company, and, and we still do, that, uh, again, there's always this you know, the chain of command, right? I mean, the people have titles. Right. But if you, if you run your company like that, if you... If you you know, rule over, you know, it's just, it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. When you, you build a team, like I said be, uh, before, you have to have, you have to have leaders and warriors and right. those, and those roles are interchangeable. Ah. Right? Yeah. So there was no doubt in our mind that when we're away, folks are going to step up and lead. Right. And, and we had more than one person that could do that. Was the adventure race the impetus that 
that pushed you for this cross training or was this something part of the culture from the beginning? So it was, we, we had the culture from the beginning and it wasn't the race in particular, it was just adventure in general. Uh, uh, you know, I, we work hard and we play hard as well. Right. And, and playing hard requires you to travel. Right. And uh, yeah, so that was, uh, that's a benefit of, of, of building that culture in the beginning. More specifically, could you give us an example of how you were able to teach your team and encourage your team to be able to do this kind of leadership so that other business owners can learn the, me the mentality and, and how you did that? I'll give you a, an example that we're applying in the company right now. So okay. let's say we have a technician that goes out in the field, he's doing a pre preventive maintenance mm -hmm. on somebody's solar electric system. Right. And he, he finds a problem. Mm. Right. Well, some companies may require him to, uh, you know, call somebody else in the office to look up what, you know, price this thing out and get permission from the owner. Where, where you know, in our business, we usually we've already have an agreement with the, with the client that if it's under a certain price point, just go ahead and make the repair instead uh -huh. of wasting another trip to go out. So, we empower our employees to make decisions. We give that we empower them to have the ability to make those decisions. One of the fears that some business owners have is where is that line where you empower your employees to go out and under a certain dollar amount and make those repairs, but you do have that repair that comes along that's a little more expensive or goes over that line. How do you how do you manage that without them burning down the house, as it were, financially? You just have you have milestones in place, um, and and you base those milestones on their knowledge base, mm -hmm. you know what they're capable of, uh -huh. and there may be somebody else on the team that while you're gone, you know they don't have to get a hold of you. They can contact the next person in line while you're away. When we come back, we're going to talk more about leadership and the tools that Glenn has used for his business, so that you can too. The reason we're talking with Glenn Bland today is because of a visioner question that came from a visioner just like you. We had a visioner that wanted to find out how to be more comfortable and is it okay to give business advice when asked? So if you've got a question, you've got a thought, something you'd like to learn about, reach out to us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram and let us know what you'd like to learn about and who knows, your question could appear here on Small Business Celebration. So reach out to us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram today. I'm here with Glenn Bland, the founder of the Bland Companies and board member of Calcom. And our vision or question comes from Joel who asks, our business is growing and we're building a leadership team. What tools have you found to be effective to help them grow into the effective leaders that they need to be? A few answers for you there. Uh, there's some gr great books to refer to your, to your team to read. Uh, Such as? W one that I, I recently did, Extreme Ownership okay. uh, by Jocko Willink. Okay where he, uh, he takes his experience in, in uh, being deployed and uh, some of the tough challenges he had and he takes those back and he, he applies that to everyday business for folks. Was, and, it, uh, was he a SEAL member? He was, yeah, he was a, he was a, a Navy SEAL. Right. Yeah. And uh, he's been quite successful in turning companies around, building leadership teams. Uh, that's what he does for a living now, besides his podcast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so that, as far as the books, that's, that's probably my favorite one. And then we have here in Kern County, we have a great local resource in Sue Watson, 
with business initiatives. Former guest of Small Business Celebration. Okay. Yeah, she's a good friend of mine, and I'm a client of hers. Uh, so, super helpful. I, I mean, with, uh, with Sue, imagine having 10 peers in the same room, CEOs, uh, you know, CFOs, uh, owners, sole proprietors, and you all get together uh, once a month, every month for a year. And you have, so now you have 10 folks with the same challenges, but 10 different lenses to look through. It's uh-huh. just, a, it's an amazing resource. And she has the incredible ability to find just the right mix for those 10 folks. Mm-hmm. And, and everybody walks away at the end of the year, you know, probably years ahead of where they would have been without that advice to share with mm-hmm. each other. A mastermind group. A mastermind group, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that, and you know, that's, that's the power group portion of her business. Mm-hmm. And she has other, for, uh, for employees, for sales, for a number of things. She has a lot of different programs. Wonderful resource. Was one of the things through these books that you've been learning, the lesson of hiring slowly and letting people go quickly? Was, was this something that you learned through this or was this something that you learned through personal experience? Probably learning more, more of that through personal experience. I've had a couple of instances I could, you know, uh, experiences I can share with you. Uh, I've taken, a, uh, I've promoted with, I've always been big on promoting from within, mm-hmm. right? And and I had take this all on, this is my mistake, my, you know, uh, I'm responsible for it. Taking a great technician and giving him a, a management job, right? Mm-hmm. You think, well, this guy's a great technician, this would be a great promotion for him. And you put him in a management role, and it turns out the guy has no skills in management. Oh. He's, I set him up for failure. Right. right. So having the the awareness to recognize those characteristics that folks need to do a, to do a certain job, mm-hmm. you can't just take somebody because they're good at what they do and put them in another role and expect the same thing. You can set someone up for failure. You can't hire them to their highest level of incompetence. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. And I'm sure you know that's uh, that's common in business, you know, right. to, to to do that. I did the same thing with. I had a great receptionist one time, and I promoted her into bookkeeping, mm. and it turned out to be not so not so. Good. We we had to find a, a position that worked after that. Right. So, yeah. When you're the business owner, and you're looking to elevate somebody that mm-hmm. works hard, does a great job. But you also don't want to fall in the trap that you just spoke of. Mm-hmm. How do you go through and nowadays look at their skill sets and versus the skill sets of the new position and discern whether or not they're going to be qualified for that? What I would okay, so what I would do today, right. if faced with the same challenge, I would call somebody like Sue Watson in to do an analysis, right. right? To really do an analysis on this person and the job, the, uh, the, the uh, uh, new job description for this person right. and see if it's a match. Ah. And if it's not a match, okay, is there training available to make it a match? Right. You know, rather than uh, making assumptions and, and setting someone up for failure. I think that's part of the key right there is you're going through and developing a training program to give that person the best possible chance. What are some of the tools that you have used 
to go through with that training? Because I'm guessing each employee mm -hmm. is different. So they're gonna need different skill sets and different tools for the new position. You've worked with Sue to, to do that, but what have you found as far as part of that training process that tends to work well? Uh, first of all, before you even get into the training, I mean, it's like uh, making sure that the that the uh, you know the candidate, which may may be an, an existing point, that the candidate has a desire to go through that type of training, the rigors of that type of training. See if they want it even in the first place. Right. If I if I move to like the some of the technical positions, the field operations positions, uh, a lot of the manufacturers of the equipment, the panel manufacturers and the tracking manufacturers, inverter manufacturers, they all have specific training for those folks to uh. acquire the skills they need to to promote. You know, say from a, a service technician to uh, a service manager. Right. You know. And if you need to elevate them to a leadership role of a great book that they can read. That's right, several. <laughs> what makes you wake up every morning and open a business? Uh, you know, th through, I, le I learned this uh, through some of the uh, crucible challenges that I've signed up to do, uh, where they, they put you through a lot of physical uh, discomfort and mental discomfort uh, through hours of PT and and navigating and, and that sort of thing. And uh, if I've been taught that if you focus on others, that uh, it makes it a lot less painful on, on yourself. When you focus on others, it just it just makes it easy. Right. And uh, so I, I wake up in the morning, uh, you know, focusing on, on others, family, uh, friends, coworkers, and uh, see what you can do to make life easier. You were a world arm wrestling champion? No. No, <laughs> no I, 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 com I competed on a world level. Okay, a world, a all world, right. A world class level. I'm not a world champion. champion. Um, when I was 40 years old, right. there was this tournament up in Castaic, and it was the World Pro-Am Championship. So I went up, I won a couple matches, and I just got smoked. Right? <laughs> and... Uh, I guess just with the, uh, it's just kind of a natural thing. I, I want to, if I fail at something, I want to find out how to, how to succeed, how to get, how to get better. Right. right. You only, you only fail if you quit. So I, I found some of these guys to train with down in Van Nuys, and just a long story short, through some training and practice, was able to uh, place in the United States. Uh, second place, which qualified me to go to the world championships in Brazil. Right. And, uh, and then did that a, a couple years after that as well. Well, Glenn, this has been a real privilege. Thank you for joining us. If visioneers want to get in touch with you, how do they do that? Uh, Glenn Bland, uh, phone number is 661-201-6295, or they can email me at gbland at calcomenergy.com. Thank you very much for joining us here on Small Business Celebration. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. And I'll be right back with my final thought. Do you want the lowest standard of care for your health? Wellness care is about reversing and preventing illness.
Do you want to be managed by sick care or do you want to thrive from your health care? Call Dr. Hugh Beatty, MD, the wellness doc at 661-395-0315 or visit him at hubay.com and discover how you can transition from managed sick care to thriving with wellness care. Discover your wellness program that can help you get well, reduce and or eliminate the number of medications you're taking and feel alive again. Call the wellness doc at 661-395-0315 or visit him at hubay.com and get better. Call 661-395-0315 or visit him at h-u-g-h-b-e-a-t-t-y.com. Losing to win. This week's conversation with Glenn Bland with Calcom Energy was one that was filled with all kinds of wonderful anecdotes and lessons that he has used to grow a strong and profitable business so that you and I may do the same. But one of the things that stuck out at me is why he is also very successful. You see, a lot of us go through life, a lot of us see a lot of other business owners that go through life, and they live life and business as a zero-sum game, meaning they will do whatever it takes to win, period. But Glenn showed us that in order to truly succeed in business and truly succeed in life, zero-sum game is not the way you want to live. You see, he and his team were traversing through the Alps when they came upon one of their competitors that needed to be rescued. Well, they chose instead of leaving the competitor behind, they chose to rescue the competitor instead. The result? They didn't make the time trial. And since they didn't make the time trial, they didn't complete the race. And since they didn't complete the race, they lost the race. But in doing so, they have their humanity. And that is the reason Glenn has a strong and profitable business. I hope you learned other things from this week's episode with Glenn Blend with Calcom Energy, and I hope that you can use some of those today to grow a strong and profitable business. And we'll see you here again next week. Thank you for listening to the Small Business Celebration Podcast. Some of today's music was brought to you by Ted Hammond, and you might find more of Ted's music at ReverbNation.com forward slash Ted Hammond. That's ReverbNation.com forward slash Ted Hammond. If you enjoyed this episode and gained some insight from it for your business, subscribe to the Small Business Celebration Podcast at iTunes.com forward slash Small Business Celebration and give us a five-star review. Also, if there's a business you'd like us to interview, reach out to us on LinkedIn and Facebook and let us know. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Roberts of the Small Business Celebration Podcast, and we wish you a strong and profitable business.